Welcome back to Mother Where Art Thou. I'm Jessica, your host, and we are going to be talking about mental health as a parent, being a mom, and how that affects our life and everything else in between. I have asked my friend Megan to um, share her experience and strength um, on this topic with us today. So I have Megan here. Say hi. Hey, everyone. (laughs) So... Megan, do you want to um, tell everyone uh, what um, like mental illnesses that you suffer from? Yes, so I have bipolar and ADHD. Um, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was nine and bipolar, I think I was 15 or 16. Um, okay. Yeah, so I've 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 been in the game um, of mental illness for quite some time now. <laughs> well, so um, I looked up some some uh, like facts and things like that on the internet to talk about, and um, I'm going to share also my my um, personal experience. But I just want to say thank you um, before we get started for being so brave and willing to come on and share your experience in this with us Um, and for whoever else is going to be out there listening. I think that's really cool that you're owning your truth and you're able to talk about that freely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important that we own our truth. Oh, it is. Yes. And especially it, it's it's such a hard topic. People don't like talk, talking about it. I make it a point to always talk about it when asked because you never know yeah. when someone else is going to need to hear something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I also deal with depression, anxiety. And as you also know, I deal with addiction. Um, and so... That affects my home life and my personal relationships. And if I don't address those issues, they can have power over me. And I have a hard time with that because, you know, I sometimes don't realize that I'm giving it power. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, it's just really important that for me as a person who suffers with mental illness that, you know, we talk about it and we stay true and transparent to it because when you stop being when you when you stop becoming like aware of your mental illness you know it it can take over oh absolutely yes yes you you have to keep like a super close eye on it Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually find that enlisting family around me and telling them hey you see anything that that looks weird you need to like tell me because we ourselves don't always notice when we start changing right right so i wanted to i've I've looked up the definition of like what mental illness is so i wanted to share that with everyone before we get into your story i just kind of wanted to share a few um facts and i do also want to mention I am not a mental health professional. I'm just a regular mom person giving my experience. Um, Mm -hmm. So like anyone who's listening, I am not a therapist. I'm not a professional. um, I don't, I'm not a professional in mental health. So if you feel like you are suffering from a mental illness, please seek professional help um, and, and just, you know, address it 
before it addresses you. So yeah, I think that's, you know, it's just really important. So mental illness refers to a wide range of mental health conditions, disorders that affect your mood, thinking and behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors. And those are just examples. So there's many more out there, um, you know, that that become a, uh, in that category of like mental illness, right? So yeah. and many people have mental health concerns from time to time. I mean, this happens to everyone at some point in their life you know that they're dealing with some type of mental illness right yeah and some people suffer from it sometimes and then other people suffer from it all the time and so there's people who can take medicine or just like deal with it for a little while and then there's people like me who always will have to deal with it so it's not like once you get diagnosed with depression that doesn't mean you're always going to have that problem right very much like postpartum depression. Yes, yes. That would be an example of one of those times, right? It would be, <laughs> yes, or postpartum anxiety as well. Yeah, true, true. That is definitely one for sure. Um, along with that definition, I um, also looked up some things here. So um, what, like, what mental health is, and that includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects mm-hmm. how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Mental health is important at every stage in life, from childhood and adolescence through adulthood. I think it's extremely important to know what mental illness is and what mental health is, because with mental health comes mental illness and mental well yes. when mental with mental illness comes mental health so like mm-hmm. these illnesses affect our mental health yes it just kind of goes hand in hand and um i also learned that you know the five major categories of mental illness is anxiety disorders mood disorders uh-huh. schizophrenia and psychotic disorders dementia and eating disorders Hmm. And those are those are very common. I mean, I didn't know that. Did you know that? I had no idea. <laughs> I know, no idea too. And it's it's really nice to to be able to know some of the statistics on it um, because mm-hmm. I feel like that helps me and that helps remind me that you know I'm not alone in this. Yeah, it affects <clears throat> one on any given day. Yeah, like that that's big that's a lot of people oh it is yeah yeah which is crazy because there's such a huge stigma on admitting and sometimes also getting help for mental health issues and so I was thinking about that too you know I was thinking you know that mental health is a topic people have a hard time talking about and and when I got to thinking about that you know I was like I don't know why that is but Personally, I found that I think it's because talking about it makes it reality, makes it real. Yes, and I think that's a huge part of it. Um, I I think also that um, there are still a lot of uh, actual doctors, like physicians and OBGYNs and a whole slew of doctors that don't know how to approach it 
or and also have uh, draconian views on mental illness. And so some people, I think, when they go to their doctors and try and talk about this, they, instead of getting a referral, are told, oh, you're fine, it's going to get better. I know a lot of women who have postpartum depression and were originally told everything's fine, this is normal, when really it's not. Um, so it's there's there, it's also like that it makes it real when you talk about it, but there's also a huge systematic problem involving uh, doctors as well of them not knowing right. how to approach the subject or how to treat patients that come to them asking for help, especially when they're not a psychiatrist. Right, you know, and any time that I go any. Anytime that I have gone to seek professional help and they've made me feel as though like I don't have a problem or that, you know, my problem is going to get better, it, it made me feel somewhat defeated because at that point, I really did think I was going crazy, you know, yes. because I just, I just wanted answers. I didn't want to hear that, oh, it's fine. <sighs> here's some coping skills to deal with it but it'll get better no like if it if it was gonna get better like I wouldn't have come seeking your help yes exactly a lot of a lot of doctors will will say stuff like that um yeah defeating and it also makes you question yourself like am I really feeling this way um am I Am I, am I, is there something else wrong with me? Like, do, like, does no one else see that I'm hurting? Like, what if I'm not really hurting or what if I'm creating it myself? So yeah, when, when, when a, when a healthcare professional, doesn't matter if they're a psychiatrist or not, or therapist tells you you're fine, there's nothing wrong inside your head. It makes you believe that. And you start like the, the mental illness part of you can start to ball into that and and, am I am I crazy am I really feeling this am I making it all up in my own head stuff like that yeah yeah and I for the longest time like especially like heavy in my addiction you know I was self-medicating because I did um speak that into reality and I did like take it you know, to heart that I, yeah, I'm making this up. There's really nothing wrong with me, you know, like I'll just drink and maybe this will, like my thinking of it will go away, you know? Yes. Oh yeah. With with medicating serious thing. It is. Yes. It's like uh, certain disorders, especially bipolar and ADHD are, are, it's very common to self-medicate in that. In fact, I, I, I also have addiction issues and over the past two, over two years now that I've been sober, I have discovered something and that is if my medication, like if for instance, my Zoloft, sometimes I need, you know, 50 milligrams. Other times I have a harder week and I need 75. Well, I noticed that when I needed to tweak my medicine, I, I thought about using and then I connected that I thought about using because I was trying to control my mental illness within myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I learned so much about myself um, um, 
not just as a mom, but in an AA and so much about my mental illness and my medication, how much the right medication and the right dosages really, really matter when it comes to staying sober, at least for me. Absolutely, 100%. I've been through that. And I actually just recently went through that when I was, I was taking Zoloft and I was on 50 milligrams. And in the beginning, I felt like, oh, this is great. This is working for me. I feel calm. I don't feel like I'm going to flip out on anyone, you know, but like the longer I took it, the more I realized it like wasn't working as well. And like my anxiety was coming back and my spurts of like the deep depression was coming back. So like I went to my psychiatrist and I was like, I think I need to up my dosage. And so like when I did that, um, the same thing happened. It was almost like I grew a tolerance to it. And I will say that that happens a lot. I hear that a lot with Zoloft, especially. And it's it's funny because I've been taking it for five years and I've never felt more normal. But then I hear a lot of people tell me that exact same thing that, that yeah. you had happened with Zoloft. It's so, so, so weird how everybody reacts so differently to different medications. I know. It is. It's, it's crazy. Um, but that's because our chemical makeup is so different. And yes. so it is it's bound to happen that way. So yeah, I, I stopped taking the Zoloft and I'm, I'm on Lexapro now. So, so far, so good. But hopefully I don't lose that tolerance. And you know, and if I do, like, I feel safe enough to go to my psychiatrist and say, all right, what do we do now? You know, because this no longer works and they work with you like they don't make you feel like a lost cause well well, you got to find a good doctor because I can tell you that over the years especially children psychologists psychiatrists and psychologists and stuff like that um and into the teens and stuff it, it I didn't find somebody who listened to me until I was pregnant with my first son four years ago and I'm uh, I'm 31 right now it took a long time to find somebody who was willing to listen and was didn't just want to write a prescription right yeah but yeah so no, you're right. actually you do need to find a good doctor and like I might be biased to that because I haven't had very many psychiatrists. I haven't gone through so many, but if you are someone who has gone through a few different ones because you have experienced that, finding the right doctor for you is is important as well. So, um, it is. It's almost like, you know, like it's it's a relationship. Like you don't want the relationship to be bad. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it really, it really is. It really is. I used to be, I used to be scared of switching doctors. And as I got older, I was like, I just need to find someone that makes me happy. And I suggest that for everybody else. If you have a doctor and you don't like how, how they treat your issues, or if they're just writing a prescription, do not feel bad about see you later and going to find somebody who you think will listen to you. Right, right. So yeah, those are some really awesome. And you're so like, you have so much, so much knowledge and experience in it, in this. And I think it's so, so good um, to be able to, you know, get that through to other people. And you word it really well too. I, I'm so bad with wording sometimes. Um, 
<laughs> but so how did um tell me a little bit about how being a parent while suffering with those those uh, issues how does it affect you like as a parent so okay so the big one of the big things for me is I have to know when my needs need to be met and sometimes when I say needs they really mean wants like as a mom in general, it is very good for your mental health to go out and do things on your own. Or like, you know, if, if you like makeup, like maybe putting your makeup on like once a week or every day or something like that. There has to be something little that I that makes me yeah. feel better about myself. You know what I mean? Even if it's like doing my hair or something like that. Um, the other big thing is a support system. Um, I can't tell you how important it is. Um, one of the things with my bipolar is um, I, if I don't get enough sleep, I, I literally cannot function and I start to get manic. Um, and so when we had kids, uh, we found this out the hard way and I ended up with really, really bad postpartum depression after my first son. Um, and my husband, because he, un he doesn't have a mental illness, but he understands how it affects me, started doing the night shift with the kids. And that was a huge, huge help for me. Um, I do get up sometimes, but him hey, you know, my wife needs help with this for her mental well-being. I'm going to do this. And having people around you who not only can help you, but who are, are willing to say, hey, Megan, you've been acting really weird or you've been really, really, really moody lately. I think you need to talk to your doctor or I think you need to start writing how you're feeling in your journal. Um, that's also a huge one for me. In fact, I, my mom, my husband, and my dad all have the number to my psychiatrist because I know that I don't always see some of the changes I have when I start like cycling because I, I, I cycle through uh, d depression a lot into like manic depression, which is like it, that in itself is like contradictory you're like manic and depressed at the same time it's just wow it's i can't even but um like uh, it's crazy like this like, they're the opposite time time. Time. is it kind of like yeah, yeah. one day and then the next day you're like oh never mind no it's like per minute oh so okay it's it's, it's it's like it's like at say like at noon i have all the energy in the world and I, I i scrub every single spot off the floor and then an hour later uh crying because i'm so lonely or or just not even being able to like get up and go to the bathroom because i'm so tired yeah and, and when it gets really bad it can even like go from minute to minute pms mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh yes, I feel like this is oh way yeah. To describe it from how I'm hearing. <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit, yeah. It's because it, it's when 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 I'm in my when I'm in a manic depression cycle, um, it, it it is basically like PMS just on steroids. Yeah. Um, 
I, I will, I will say though, as a parent, I find that I can function really well with a certain level of mania. And I know that sounds really, really weird. It's actually not uncommon though. I found out for my psychiatrist, um, if I have a slight bit of mania, it's not crazy, but I find that I can like get up in the morning and get everything I need done in the day. It's really the depression because I can get stuff done with mania. I can't get anything done with depression. Oh, I know depression. I know yes. depression. So I don't know mania all that well. Um, I think my idea of mania, like, it just seems so different than I think it actually is. You know, like, well, it's actually different for everybody. Oh, it's different. Like, for, yes, for instance, usually people who are bipolar and get mania can't sleep. And that doesn't happen to me mm-hmm. at all. I, I I sleep every night. I have I have this like, if, if I can't sleep, like say that I get like a stomach flu or something, cause when you have a stomach flu, you're gonna be up all night. I will actually like start to panic when I don't sleep. And a lot of people when they're in mania actually don't want to sleep because it's like a quote unquote time waster and they can get so much more stuff done. Man, that probably makes getting up and tending to two kids. I know you have two kids, pretty tough. Could you tell everyone um, uh, the age, age of each of your kids? Yes, so my, um, my first son is Jackson and he is four and a half. My second son, Elliot, will be one on January 31st. So just in two weeks. Wow. About almost one. That's crazy. It's, yeah, it's very crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, oh my goodness. I met him when he was like five months. I know. I know. And and then the other the, the other thing with my mental illness and that I think a lot of moms don't understand and they feel really bad about it's okay to have like a moment in front of your kids it's okay to like blow up what you do though afterwards because sometimes I get sometimes I have like a short temper right and so with my bipolar I, I don't even boil. I go from like cold stone, cold water to like it's blowing over the top. Um, and so I find that if that happens and I wasn't able to re- prevent it, it is acceptable and actually needed to go back and explain to your child, hey, mommy was just having a bad moment and it's okay when that happens and apologize. Like, I'm sorry, Jackson, that happened. And that actually opens up a conversation for when your children are having a temper tantrum. And you can go to them and say, it's okay, you're just having a moment. Mommy has some moments like that too. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's one of those things that makes me feel like any time of a moment. And like, I will go back later on and like explain to her, like how you said, like, you know, I'm so sorry, mommy had a moment, you know, whatever. And and so, um, but that's one of those things, like 
for me, even even still like after explaining that to my daughter, um, I still feel a great amount of remorse and like I beat myself up and like I am remorseful and I feel so much guilt that I start to go into like this like decline here like this like decline into like a deep depression because then I start like telling myself you know that I'm not worth it I'm not a good mom I'm crazy and like her life would be so much better if I wasn't here like and I start saying all these things that you know aren't true you know to my yes yeah exactly um two of the main things that helped me with that because I do struggle with that is one my mom struggled with really bad depression when I was growing up and I clearly remember it but I don't remember like being mad at her or like having a bad childhood. It was just like a part of the family dynamic. And it wasn't anything, it wasn't like unacceptable. It wasn't like a bad thing or there were like no negative feelings towards when my mom was having a bad day. And then the other thing that really helped is when my psychiatrist was just like, look, like this is just gonna happen sometimes. And the only thing you can do is try your best to walk away before you have that moment. But if you can't, don't dwell on it. It's in the past. Just do what you can to make it better with your kid. Because the more you dwell on it, you're just going to go into this cycle of I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be a parent. I'm not a good parent. What if I screw up my kids for life? Like everybody has these thoughts, but when you have mental illness, you think about it more and it can actually make you snowball into even bigger issues like anxiety, depression. Yes. 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 So the and and, and it it's it may not happen with everybody with mental illness. Um some people are able to keep that away from their kids. I personally just with the way that my moods are, I'm not always going to be able to and I had to understand that. And I do still feel guilt and remorse after, but I'm I I nip it in the butt really really quick because if I don't, that's all I'm going to think about all day. And then it's going to be even an even worse day because what kid wants their mom to just kind of sit in the lazy boy and just cry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's something I definitely still like, and it's it's gotten better, but it's definitely something, one of those things that I'll always have to work on. And I think that's natural because we're always, you know, even if you're not suffering with a mental illness, we're always our worst critic, right? So. Yes. But yeah, I mean, being a parent and suffering with any kind of mental illness is hard. Um, and sometimes even debilitating. I find that sometimes like I cannot, function at all whatsoever like my mind like I'm I'm imprisoned in my own mind like my mind like my brain it already has like my reactions or or my actions already pre-programmed that I don't even have control over them sometimes like that's how debilitating it is and you know I have so much mental strength just to rise out of the bed and start my day and you know yeah. that right there within itself is hard you know but the i think also to add to that and make it even harder is to follow that and have a good attitude throughout the day 
you know? Yes, yes, yes. So one of the one of the interesting things about my bipolar is that I and my ADHD is I always have to be moving, right? So my go-to as a mom when I'm feeling when I'm when I'm when I'm feeling uh, like say my ADHD when I can't focus on anything, right? Because even with medicine, I'm like I'm gonna have bad days, right? Um, and uh, cleaning helps so much because I'm constantly moving. I'm constantly like wiping something or something like that. So I actually have days where the kids want me to sit and play with them. And I actually have a hard time doing that because my brain is screaming at me like you need to move, like you need to you need to clean something. And my mind is sitting here going crazy and I've had to train myself like I have like, you know, the kids want to play. I, I got I to sit on the floor and I got to do this. Like I have a hard time like relaxing yeah. with my with my mental health issues. Like I'm constantly moving. My, my husband has told me you can stop cleaning now. Yeah. Like he's like the house doesn't have to look perfect all the time, and it's not even that I want it to look perfect. It's that I I, I need to be doing something at all times. Yeah. Do you think that helps you to be like in control of something? Yes. 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 I yeah. I clean a lot when I feel out of control. Um, I will also uh, not eat as much. Yeah. And that, that eating issue is actually very subconscious. I've I've done that for quite some time. If I'm having if I'm having um, a hard month and I feel like things are out of control, like for instance, right now we're doing a bunch of these renovations, and as we always do, we wait till the very very last minute to to pick everything. Like we haven't even settled on a theme, and they're going to be here on Monday, and so. I feel completely overwhelmed and out of control. And what have I been doing the last week? I have not been eating like I should be. I haven't been eating lunch. I haven't been eating a good dinner. Um, And on top of that, I work out two hours a day, which also helps a lot with my mental illness. And I haven't been feeling good because after my workouts, I'm not eating as much food as I need to be. So that's a snowball right there. Yeah. I mean, that also has to be when you're renovating your house and you're doing your whole house, right? Yes. Two stories from ceiling to floor. Wow. So, I mean, that's like, that's a lot. And I mean, and it's not just like you sit back and like, let it happen. Like you have to like watch what they're doing and like make choices. And also you have to live your life around all the debris, right? So that's probably just really frustrating on its own. Yes, well, I got I got lucky. I have parents that live close by um, and my dad, he travels a lot um, and he has some hotel points and he was just going to get us a hotel room for like two or three days, not to sleep there, but to just have somewhere to like take the kids. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not they're like really all over. Yeah, though, because there is there there probably is a lot of like um, things that could hurt them on there as well. Oh yeah, we, we learned that the hard way because they just finished uh, replacing all the windows, and you know we thought, oh, they'll take one window out and put another one in. No, no, they took all the windows out first. So you had like and so we had all that stuff just laying around. 
Yeah. And so I had to carry, I, I had to, me or my husband had to hold our infant, the almost one year old, the whole time. Um, my four and a half year old was a little bit easier. And we got lucky because the dog, I guess, didn't understand that there was just like a hole there. Yeah. And like, like they took the windows out of the kitchen and they go to the floor and he wanted to go outside. And I was like, you know, that you could just like walk out the, the window hole and the dog is just like standing there, like staring at me. Oh my God. It's too funny. Like, in the door. Right. Hello. outside right there. <laughs> oh my gosh but so um yeah so I really liked a lot of what you said especially with the whole like being okay with um you know, having a moment in front of your kids and that's just such a natural thing I, I think also too that relates to maybe not someone if you don't like have like even if you don't suffer from mental illness so we, we are all bound to have like a moment of you know um, yes. just life that just gets it just gets to you and sometimes you just have to scream right and that get all that shit. I so something that my psychiatrist told me after I had my first son really, really like, I, I hear it in my head every single day. I tell it to every single mom to be or a current mom. Like, I don't care if you have a uterus and a baby might be coming out of it. I'm going to tell you this. And she told me I, when I, when I got postpartum depression with Jackson, she said, you know how when you when you board an airplane and they get the instructions and they tell you to put your mask on before assisting others and i was like yeah i i know when they say that and she says do you know why they tell you that and um i know it has to do with uh if you put if you don't put your mask on and you put the mask on your child first you can pass out and just not get your mask on right and she's like that's how you have to look at motherhood yes and she said, always make sure you put your mask on first before your kids. And I hear a, a lot of a lot of people, especially ones that don't have mental illness, they come back when I say that and they say, but having kids is all about sacrifice. But and yes, that's true. But you should never, ever, ever purposely sacrifice your mental health when you don't have to for your child that you you that a, a happy mother it means a happy child and so and taking care of yourself that is, is the so best thing you can do for your kid it is a hundred percent i agree with you a hundred percent hands down i mean it's just it's so true for me if if my mental health is not where it needs to be. How can I be the mother, like how can I be the mother that I I truly am? Yes, yeah. I, another thing I learned is, I noticed with Jackson, especially as he got older, there are actually signs that your kids give you that you're having a hard time mentally, right? And one of the signs that Jackson gives is he starts having um, potty accidents, a lot of them. 
yeah, he will start, he'll start, you know, it'll start like, you know, if I don't notice it long enough, it'll be like one day he'll have like one or two. And then eventually he'll have like six, seven pee accidents in one day. Wow. And then I realized it's That's me. Those red flags, right? Huh? That you To look out not only for yourself but you know for your kids like I was just um um let me just pause real quick and say I'm so sorry if you you guys hear any like doors opening or feet pounding or whatever because I'm downstairs in the basement right now and of course you know I'm like all right just try and keep it down while I'm downstairs you know like recording my podcast and of course they can't do that but whatever it's fine right I can hear we have a pig we have a pig and I can hear (laughs) across the floor (laughs) with his hooves but I wrote where did I write this oh okay so I wrote some like tips for parenting with mental illness down um and so it's engage in treatment right connect Mm -hmm. others and we talked about both of those already Focus on the whole family. Watch for red flags. So even though like you're taking care of your mental health and like your mental illness, keeping an eye out for your entire family's mental health and mental illness is just as important, you know, because our mental health and our mental illness, like I said in the beginning, doesn't just affect us, it affects affects the whole family. And so it's important. It is, it is very, it is very, very, very important. I, I know with me, it, the first person it affects is Jackson simply because I'm a stay at home mom. And then, then next is Nick and then the baby. And it always goes in that order. Right. Yeah. My, my order mm-hmm. would be similar to that. You know, I, of course, you know, William, but I have a five-year-old and I have a seven month old, um, son, um, so yeah, my daughter, and but she's also seen me like at my worst when I'm in recovery and, um, and I'll have three years in February. And so my daughter, she was like, t- she was two years old when, when I first got sober. So she saw me at my worst. And like, I remember like the way I remember how she was then like compared to like how she is now she used to anytime like I um was talking to someone or anytime we got loud because I always like was really loud and I would have these huge emotional I would have these like emotional upheavals I don't know if you are familiar with that term but like I'll get into these like emotional upheavals where like something triggers like these insecurities or fears in me or whatever and like I just go into this full-on tailspin and it just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and and it's like I can't feel fine I I can't feel better until I heat I until I hit the peak and then yes oh man and the things that can trigger that can seem so stupid too (laughs) oh stupid So, like when I was pregnant with William, one of those things for me was my husband kept using my towel. (laughs) He got out of the shower. 
And like, it would drive me crazy. And I would tell him like, all right, stop using my towel. You know, like don't, Mm -hmm. the fact that I gotta tell you, don't use my towel. He's used my toothbrush. That sent me over the edge. Now I know that that's like, you know, kind of a normal like issue sometimes, but like some people that they would be like, you know, say, you know, stop and then then they'd be done with it. But because I suffer from depression and anxiety, and also I would say emotional upheavals would be one of them. Um, I, I would go on to like a full emotional upheaval and I won't like let that go until like I reach that, that heightened level of like, it, it's, almost, it's almost like going through the grieving process in a rapid stage. Yes. Right? Yes. I think for me, I, I know, I know the feeling that you're talking about, and it's it's almost like a des. It's very. It's a very desperate feeling, and it's almost it's almost similar to when you go into like I I also have addiction issues, and one of my um, issues that I had a one of the things I had a huge huge issue was with was opiates and it's it's similar to me like the the intense feeling you have when you go into withdrawal that like I need this right except for my brain is telling me what I need mm-hmm. yeah like, like so I just have this de- desperation feeling and these emotions and they're building up and one of the things one of the things that um that ha- this happens actually uh, a couple times a week, right? My my husband has a bad habit of of taking something and putting it somewhere where it doesn't belong, or Ugh. he also doesn't like clutter, so he he will throw stuff away and not realize that I need it. Like he threw away two um, hand mixers from the kitchen, two of them, the only ones we had, oh, right? So, so yeah, so. I get I get into like these emotional upheavals like you call them o- over stuff like that and it, and it's gotten to a point where we're like I, I know I married this man yeah. like he's done this five years he's gotten better but like I'm, pr- I'm I mean I'm probably I mean this is my life basically yeah. and through calling my husband I feel like for me and maybe you can relate to this as well throughout the ownership of my having this mental illness and like having these issues by me owning that truth and dealing with it it's gotten so much better yes oh yes i learned this a really long time ago um not exactly with mental illness um so when i was nine i was diagnosed with adhd um and I, I was made fun of a lot. I have like extreme ADHD. Uh, boys and girls kind of exhibit it differently. And I exhibit it as a boy, which is actually kind of weird because usually that doesn't happen with girls. Actually, there's completely different symptoms and they seem opposite of each other. And I was kind of an outcast in school. And when I got diagnosed, I felt even more like a weirdo, right? Because now I had to take I had to take this medicine. But when I took the medicine, like I was like, this is how normal people feel. <laughs> like, 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 uh, like this is this is this what my classmates feel? But I didn't truly learn to accept 
things like this about myself until I was 11. And at 11, um, I was about the height of like, probably like a seven year old. And I had just stopped growing at the age of seven and they couldn't figure out why. And I, did, I had to go through all these tests and just all these things. And I was so scared because, you know, they were telling my parents like she might have a brain tumor, she could have leukemia, cancer, like they had no idea. And it took about a year and finally I saw an endocrinologist and he took one look at me and he knew exactly what was wrong. And he diagnosed me after a blood test with a, a growth hormone deficiency disorder. And I immediately started on um, growth hormone. And at that young age, I learned like, I have to accept these things about myself. Like I can't fight this. I have to take medicine for my ADHD. And I also have to take shots every day so I can grow. And there's no getting around that. And I found that when I accepted it, what other, what the other kids thought about it, because you know how kids are, like it didn't matter as much. Right. It not matter, right? Because yeah. you're a kid, but it didn't matter as much. And it made it an adventure. It wasn't like this bad thing to me anymore. It was almost like, like people would make fun of me for being short and I'm like well for your information actually I have a disorder and I take shots for it every night so you know like I owned it that's I owned it that's so so brave and courageous for you and and to do that at uh, what 11 you said yeah I mean that's crazy that's so brave and like um, the kids are mean, so I, I can't even imagine how how you how you did that at 11 years old. Like, so kudos to you. I mean, that's amazing. So much courage and strength there within that. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that you know how can how can we be healthy physically if we're not healthy mentally, right? And how can we walk yes. around life saying that we're fine when we're not? You know, I don't understand why like we do that. Like now. I look at back and I'm like, why did I, why did I do that? Why was it because I wanted to feel normal? Like what is normal anyway? You know, normal, I think is just an, it's just an idea that uh, of what society thinks we should be. And yes, yes, it is. And, and when you, when you feel like you're not normal, like, I mean, that doesn't feel good. So I, I I do think that that's a big reason also why people say, oh, I'm fine, right? Yeah. Because if I say, oh, I'm having like a bipolar cycle, people are like, uh, okay, right? <laughs> like, like, they're like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? And so it's, it's easier for people to say I'm fine, even when they aren't and even when they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And it's also good for us as like moms to display that type of like um, courage in in dealing with our uh, problems of any kind, really, um, in in life because we're we're creatures of habit. So like they'll see that and like they'll follow it. Hopefully, of course, you know. Um, there are things that get in the way of that before they actually do follow it. But, you know, eventually they'll follow it. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think it's uh, it's also really important to just be honest about what you're going through. 
um, in life. Yeah. And I think that um, our the- honesty, when we're honest, like that could be the courage for another person. You know, sometimes our struggles exactly. just sometimes our struggles aren't just ours to suffer with alone. You know, hope, courage, and faith, all of those things are influenced, I believe. And if we see someone producing good, healthy coping skills for their mental health or for any of their issues, chances are we'll try them ourselves to see if it can benefit us as well. You know? Yes. Yeah. But we also need to see the unhealthy as well. Yeah. And know that it's healthy like that's not like it's not a good coping skill for me to restrict food right and I'm I that's something I work on right and it's almost it's like a subconscious decision right like it's not like I say oh I should eat eat lunch but I'm not going to you know what I mean like I have to catch myself at it like I'm like oh it's four o'clock I haven't eaten yet right so you have to go back and you have to correct the behavior um and honesty when it comes to mental illness like there is nothing more important than honesty whether that's to your family um or to someone close to you to your doctor like like it doesn't matter honesty is the most important you have to be honest about what you're feeling absolutely 100 percent. i actually liked you know, that you came in afterwards and, you know, made it a point to say that we do need to see the unhealthy because without the unhealthy, we, we can't show an example of what is healthy. And, um, exactly. you know, that's also like something to consider as well. But so I, I want to say thank you again for coming on and, um, you know, sharing all of that. I mean, because that's a lot of personal stuff that you're you're sharing with us and it's so brave and it's so courageous you know and I I just want to ask the listeners like does any of this apply to you does any of it like sound familiar to you and if it does then I hope you've given I hope we've given you some insight on where to begin to seek help and counsel for any mental health problems you may be experiencing you know um (laughs) and you just need to you know talk to someone talk to someone like just one person can make such a difference in your life but choose someone you feel safe to talk to like that's important you can't just talk yes and and do not if if you if you if the person you choose to talk about it with including if it's your doctor if anybody brushes any of it off right you need to find someone else to talk to yeah right You, you want someone to listen you, you don't necessarily want someone to offer a solution unless it's a doctor, right? Because right. there are different medications. But if you're like, if you're, if you're talking to your husband or something and you're telling him you're having issues and he goes, oh, it's fine. Like, it'll get better. Don't worry about it. Go find someone else. Because mm-hmm. you, you want someone who is willing to help like dive into your mind and, and help you figure out like what the heck is going on up there. Absolutely. And you need need someone who will listen and won't just sit there and say, okay, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. When you find the right person, they're going to tell you, tell me everything. From start to finish. Everything. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. What were you going to say? And if 
if you find and if you find if you find a psychiatrist who is you know or a doctor who's saying oh you're fine you're fine you're fine just go find another one yep like yep. don't don't even don't even bother don't give them the time of the day go find somebody else it is so important that people understand you can always find another doctor yes you can always find another doctor and there's always going to be someone out there that can understand you know, it's it's great for our overall wellness, um, with you know that complete and general well-being of a balance of emotion, physical, spiritual, and mental all together. You know, that's it's it's important to make sure yes. those things are in line and um, are up to par with where they need to be for your community and for your calm. Um, so yeah. again, again, thank you so much. Thank you. So much. Thank you for having me. I really, really, really enjoyed this a lot. Well, you can always like, come on again. <laughs> I hope I do. I hope I do. I can't wait to listen to this. I know. I know. It's gonna be, um, like I said. So, so guys, to my listeners, this is my first like um, podcast where I've brought a guest on to um, share their experience and strength. So, you know, there might be some things that that you hear that maybe hopefully you won't hear like in the next podcast like e example my pig running across my floor <laughs> or like my husband opening a door while i'm recording it's fine it's perfectly fine i can't believe the kids left me alone this whole time like i've just been sitting on the porch no one's come to bother me i'm starting to wonder if everybody's okay Right. It's almost like, should I do this podcast often? <laughs> I should just make this a regular thing. Do <laughs> another podcast. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Megan. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And let's get together soon. Yes, definitely. Okay. Alrighty. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you guys um, for listening to uh, my podcast here, Mother Where Art Thou? And um, so we were just speaking with Megan and she was telling us her story and she was giving us some awesome advice and from her experience through dealing with mental health and uh, being a mom and you know I just wanted to um, also put it out there that if substance abuse and mental illness is something that you suffer with if you feel like you heard some similarities in Megan's story um, while listening to this podcast or or if you just feel like that it's something you've been questioning whatever it is that makes you feel as though that that is something that you're probably dealing dealing with alone or you're struggling with alone please don't do it alone please you're not alone you're never alone um substance abuse and mental illness national helpline that number is 1-800-662-HELP 1-800-662-HELP and that's 1-800-662-4357 that's how you spell help 
for that phone number. <laughs> um, I'm just being silly, you know, but that's accurate for you. Um, 1-800-662-HELP. Please, 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 please call um, if you are suffering with substance abuse and mental illness. And please just reach out to somebody. You know, don't, don't do it alone and don't think you can do it alone because you can't, you know, like you just, you shouldn't, not that you can't, you just shouldn't, you shouldn't do it alone because you, you have people there. You just have to seek them out. You have to make that call. You have to send that message. You have to make that appointment because there are people there that want to be there with you, that want to help you. And there's a community, a whole community of people who deal with substance abuse, who deal with mental illness, and they connect with other people who deal with those problems and they find the similarities and they help each other work through them. Um, so please, please call that number if that is something that you are dealing with. So, wow. So Mary Margaret had some really awesome stuff to say about what life is like being a stay-at-home mom. Um, you know, we can try to make schedules. We can try to adhere to those schedules at, 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 when you're a stay-at-home mom, but most of the time, like, you're going to veer off that schedule, and you're just going to end up going with what the day, with how the day goes, you know, and there's really just no measuring of what it's going to be like or or whatnot, and, you know, accidents happen, and we can't blame ourselves. We might feel some mom guilt, but, you know, the day goes on, and, um... We just do the best we can. That's all we can do. You know, I know from my own personal experience that being a stay-at-home mom isn't as luxurious as, you know, some people might think it is. It's such a blessing, yes, but our job, it's never done. You know, we don't get to go to the bathroom on our own hardly ever. We don't get to eat lunch by ourselves if we get a chance to eat. Um, I just experienced that when, a ch when my child or when anybody's child is in the house, they're sick. Um, it's going to take me twice as long to get better because I'm taking care of all the sick individuals in the house. Um, so that, uh, that was really just a, an experience with in itself. Um, I don't know if any other moms have experienced that have, have any other moms experienced that being, sick at the same time that your kids are sick and having to, um, take care of them and, and kind of, you know, you have, you have all that energy that you're using to take care of them, that it takes you twice as long to, to get better. Um, I just experienced that. Um, my daughter had strep and then I also was sick. I don't, I don't think I had strep, but it was de definitely a severe cold for sure. Um, and thank God my seven month old didn't get strep, but the whole situation of us all being sick in the house and then my husband's shortly falling behind, um, it was just really rough and, and it felt like we were all sick forever. And I just felt like, I couldn't get myself feeling better after getting everyone else in the house, you know, good and, and taken care of. And, um, 
But I, I don't know if any of you guys out there can relate to that. If you can, I'd love to hear um, you guys' stories of of what being a stay-at-home mom is like. And, you know, maybe you have a story of, you know, your first bloody experience with your um, little one. Uh, mine, I guess, would be when my daughter, we were at the Splash Pad play park and she tripped while she was running around, you know, in the water and she scraped her knee up pretty bad and she was bleeding and she was screaming and she was not happy and it was just such a horrible experience and I wanted to make her feel better but I, you know, like nothing I could do would would make, like, would make her feel better and I just felt so bad and I felt like it was my fault. I felt like... You know, I had to just be as calm as I as I could, and that that was hard within itself. And um, you know, I just tried to do the best that I can. And I love that I'm fortunate enough to be at stay at home mom. We're all, you know, trying our hardest to just do the best we can. And I'm so fortunate to be able to do that while being at home with my kids. Um, I have a hard time compartmentalizing my thoughts and it's a challenge because in the forefront of my mind is what am I going to do today to make me feel more productive? And I mean, how can counterintuitive is that we're already, we already have a full day ahead, but the stigma of being a stay at home mom puts so much pressure on me that I feel like if I'm not generating some source of contribution to the family that I'm just a lazy, spoiled housewife. And that's not even it at all. You know, we're just putting all of our energy into our children and that takes, that takes energy. That is work, you know, and we're doing that all day, every day. And it, it's such a blessing, but there, it's not just awesome all the time. We do have moments where things happen that, you know, we feel guilt from and, or, you know, we're not getting enough time for ourselves or our relationships not getting enough time, you know, or whatever. We have panic attacks, like when stuff is like not working out. Um, and we, and it's just, I know that I'm not a lazy, spoiled housewife. I know that I am a stay-at-home mom that does the best that I possibly can. Um, and that's all I can do. Um, so I'm here to put the hammer down on that. If anyone thinks that stay-at-home moms are just lazy housewives, I'm calling bullshit. We do a lot outside of just being moms, and I know that for a fact. Stay-at-home moms do a lot. So, yeah, there's that. But we all have pressures coming from somewhere, you know, so it is what it is. But I'm not going to be subject to think any of that is true. I love being a stay-at-home mom, but whether you are or not, all moms work hard. We all work hard. If you're a working mom, you work really hard. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you work really hard. If you're a single mom, you work really hard. If you're a mom with five, six kids, you work really hard. None of us are perfect moms. We are 
all just doing the best we can and we all work really hard. Um, but so, I mean, that was such an awesome episode, a fun episode. Um, I loved catching up with Mary Margaret and talking mom stuff and mom life. And um, I look forward to seeing what her new little is going to look like. And um, maybe we'll have her on later on to update us on what that's what that's like. And that will be a fun episode. So, um, but that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening and thank you so much for hearing Mary Margaret's story and what it is like to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, and I have a lot of great stories coming up for you guys. So keep an eye out for any updates on our Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and share Mother Where Art Thou. Um, also, we do now have a new website and that is mwatpodcast.com www.mwatpodcast.com and if you guys have any suggestions or if you guys just want to talk about anything or um, maybe uh, you have some questions for me personally uh, you can go ahead and email me at our new email address, and that is mwatpodcast at gmail.com. So go ahead and use that email instead of the one that you've that you may have heard in like previous episodes, because that is the permanent mother where art thou uh, Gmail uh, email address and m m or mwatpodcast.com is the permanent um, website for Mother Where Art Thou podcast. Thank you guys so much and have a great night. Have a good weekend. And I know that schools are out tomorrow. If you are in the Atlanta area in Georgia, schools are out tomorrow because we are expecting snow and hopefully we get snow. But um, if we don't, have fun with your littles and your family and I look forward to seeing some fun pictures of, you know, hopefully people sledding down, you know, the, the hills with the snow. And if not, we're probably just going to get frozen water. <laughs> Georgia is something else, I'm telling you. I'm just sitting here thinking about how crazy our weather is here and just laughing. Um, I saw a, a, a meme of this um i'm obsessed with funny memes and but i saw one of <laughs> guy was like it said well we we just um built a snowman on our snow day and it was a puddle of water um with a carrot nose and they had like dressed this puddle of water up as like a snowman it was really funny but anyways thanks for listening Welcome back to Mother Where Art Thou, your go-to podcast for moms, where we talk about mom life and everything else in between. Being a mom looks different for everyone. Our journeys are different in so many ways. What does your mom life look like? Today, we're going to talk to one mom about what it's like being a stay-at-home mom. And my guest is the lovely Mary Margaret. She was so kind as to accept my invitation to be a guest on my podcast. Mary Margaret, thank you so much. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
Hey everyone, welcome back to Mother Where Art Thou, podcast for moms with Jessica Shaborsky. I'm your host, Jessica Shaborsky. Um, I am reaching out to all of you um, because I haven't posted uh, an episode in a while and it's been really hard to manage life as a mom with two, um, my art, my podcast, my blog, in life, in general, and it's just really hard to juggle all of those things, and I fall short on some of my projects, and I apologize for leaving you guys without an episode to listen to, um, so anyways, with that being said, we're moving to Charleston from Georgia, and it's the first real big move that I've made, um, as my, in my whole adult life, and I'm really nervous about it, and I, and I wrote a little bit about that in a blog, uh, post recently here, change is good, change is good, and, um, I mean, as, as I sit here and I reflect, I think about all the things and all the people, all the places that have come into my life and just everything that was monumental, has been monumental the past couple of years here in Georgia. And it's just really hard to not think about that stuff, you know, because this is where I made my life. I made my home. Had my kids here. You know, I failed relationships here. I had successful relationships here. Um, graduated high school here. You know, all of my goals, ambitions, and dreams, they all started here and it's almost like I'm ending a part of my life and starting a new one which in a sense I kind of am but at the same time I'm not because you know I'm still the same Jessica I don't know I don't know it's just I, I just feel like I have to vent and I have to get it out and on top of all of that, I just had my wisdom teeth pulled on Monday, which was probably the worst pain I feel like I've ever been in. Not being able to communicate, not being able to talk was extremely difficult for me because I'm a talker, you know, and I like, <laughs> like to have my opinions and, and things like that and not being able to get them out was really, really frustrating and I was like yelling at my husband I was like get me pen and paper and I like I couldn't even communicate that and that was just so frustrating so I had a few bad days here recently um emotionally physically and it was just really hard but you know I had all my friends there for me um I had my husband he was really great he's been great he you know he dealt with a lot um especially from me but you know that's what marriage is, right? You know, you deal with the good times and you deal with the bad times and it doesn't matter how ugly those times can get, you know, sometimes 
it can get a little crazy a little hectic but you deal with it and you remain supportive of each other and yeah so all that fun stuff but you know packing and going through things and organizing things I've come across um, pictures and old like I write things down a lot so like old I don't know notes or maybe like old lyrics that I've written down just things that I'm I'm reminiscing on and it's just very nostalgic and it's good memories it's bad memories you know it's like I'm cleaning closet thoroughly this time like I've I've gone through things in my life and I've evaluated them and I've looked to find my part in things and I've looked to find, um, you know, uh, things that maybe I could have done differently or things that I didn't even do, you know, like that I was more so like, you know, the victim or maybe I was the person you know, that was causing the harm. You know, I, I looked at all of those things before and, um, I thought I did them, th- I thought I did that thoroughly, but now, you know, now I'm looking back on some older memories and things like that. And, um, it just, it's bringing a lot of emotions to surface, surfacing a lot of feelings, old feelings. And, um, it's hard to deal with. It's hard to deal with something over and over and over again. Even when you feel like you've already worked through those things. But this is where it trips me because just because I've looked at these things before in the past, just because I've dealt with these things before or whatever, what have you, that doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory and that stuff didn't happen. It doesn't like magically erase it from other people's memories or, or your own, you know, like it doesn't go away. It's still there. The, the, the emotional scarring is still there. The feelings are still there. The memories are still there. You know, everything, the impact is still there. And so it's more so like a maintenance, you know, a maintenance program at this point. And I fall short of that very, very easily. And um, I don't, sometimes I wait until the very last minute to do something about it. And and then I do something about it. But the thing is, is the people who get affected by that are my loved ones, my husband, my daughter, um, my, uh, my son, you know, my family, my friends. Like those are the people who get affected by it. And it's simply because I I just let life get in the way of my self-awareness and um, I make excuses for not being cognitive of the things that I do or the things that I say or whatever and um, it's something that I'm working on you know, and it's something I truly honestly feel that everyone can benefit from working on, you know, there's no 
measurement of severity. You know, it literally can be anything that's causing you turmoil or unsettled or unsettledness. Like if you're just not at peace with something, like whatever it is, to reflect on that, on those areas in your life or those, you know, situations sit down and reflect and try to see like maybe your part in it or what could you do better you know um how could you react differently things like that um I think it's extremely important because we can easily blame other people for our shortcomings but at the end of the day like we're more more so more oftentimes than not we're the problem right we're the the ones getting in the way of um, the sunlight to the spirit and that is actually just something I put in a blog post um, earlier uh, you know God has his will for us and I'll just say this. I'm not I'm not like a real religious person. I believe in a higher power. I believe that there is something greater than myself. Um, and my relationship with that higher power is something that I try to work on daily. Is it perfect? No. Um, is there such thing as a perfect relationship with your higher power? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's just something that you have to constantly consistently work on but um anytime I try to live life on my terms things get a little shaky things get a little shaky my relationships um go south the peace and the energy in my home is heavy it grows heavier and I begin to have low self low self-esteem of myself then I learn not to I learn to I try to learn to be aware of of me trying to live life on my terms because when I try to live life on my terms it blocks me from the sunlight to the spirit and that's God's will for me you know it's it's really something that I struggle with daily and I think a lot of people probably struggle with it um, in fact I know there's a lot of people that struggle with it and it's really not even it's really not even something that's talked about a lot you know ever but I'm going to try and talk about it more often 
I'm going to try and keep it in my life a little bit more and pray more and just be aware of myself and like where I'm at and hand it over to my higher power. Like all my problems, all my insecurities, all my flaws, all my shortcomings, all my character traits that cause me harm or want to cause other people harm. Like all of my, all of my, all of my stuff that, all of the stuff that I have that I deal with that cause me to feel just disgusting in a funk. Like, I am really just going to try and start, you know, handing that over to my higher power, you know, and just kind of seeing what his will is for me. You know, especially right now during the time of um, such a drastic change in my life and this move to Charleston, that's, that's the type of situation I want to do that you know, where I would want to do that. I am struggling right now with this this big move and big change in my life. So I'm going to give it over to my higher power and I'm going to do what I can on my end of things. And that's to try and not flip out on my loved ones when I'm feeling, you know, anxious or nervous or um, depressed or whatever. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and express my feelings in a more positive way. And then there, also like don't get me wrong, there's a lot of things that I'm happy and excited about. Like I can't wait to be 10 minutes from the beach. I can't wait to have a new adventure with my family and you know there's a lot of things that I am extremely excited about, but at the same time like there's also things that are weighing on me and I have to look at those things because the things that I'm excited about aren't going to do harm to me like the things that I'm struggling with are. So, like, I have to nurture that part of myself that is falling short. And if I don't, like, it's going to eventually, it's going to take over. So, I don't know. I'm just kind of ranting and just kind of giving, kind of putting my thoughts out there in the universe and trying to let you guys know where I'm at, where I have been um, the past couple of It's probably been a little over a month since I posted something, but I mean, this is where I've been. This is where I'm at. And, um, these are all good things. These are all good changes, you know, but with good, when good things happen, there's also things that you still have to face, you know, like not everything is hunky dory all the time. There is stuff that we have to deal with, you know? But I'm going to hand the stuff that I can't control over to my higher power. And I'm going to do the best that I can on my end. But I just wanted to tell you guys where I was. Um, Everything's great with the podcast and the blog. So if you haven't um, had a chance to read any of the blog blog posts, um, there are... I want to say like there's seven blog posts or maybe there's six blog posts. Is that right? 
maybe there's like five, five or six blog posts that you could read. Um, some great stuff on there. There's some resources there, um, links to websites um, that could be of help. There are um, cute pictures with funny quotes that I really like. Um, there was one where it's like, well, what did it say? It said something. The, um, but then at the, at the end it was like, God don't make no junk. God doesn't make junk, y'all. Um, that was really country. <laughs> God don't make no junk, y'all. I'm not country. I don't know, like, that comes out of nowhere sometimes. But that's just because I grew up in Georgia and the South. And But anyways, so... Yeah, so check out those resources. Check out those blog posts. Like I said, there's really great stuff on there. Um, I've revamped the website a little bit. So I've added um, links or I've added um, an about me page. So you can see a little bit, uh, read a little bit about your host. Um, And there's a link to my Etsy shop, which is um, very Chamberlain. And I sell like um, original artwork and things like that. You can also find uh, very Chamberlain on my Facebook, um, on my Facebook page. I I don't think it's on, I'll have to link it to like mother where art thou, but um, it does, very Chamberlain does have its own Facebook page and it's very Chamberlain and that's C-H-A-M-B-E-R-L-A-I-N. And so, um, oh my God. Is there an E? No, there's not. I'm tripping. Hold on. Why am I? Yeah, there's no E. What am I talking about? Okay. Redo. Very Chamberlain. C-H-A-M-B-E-R-L-A-I-N. And, um... So I have an Etsy shop for that, and I also have an Instagram page for that as well at Chamberlain Art One. Um, you can find that on Instagram. Uh, keep an eye out. I'm more than likely, eventually soon, gonna make an Instagram page for Mother Where Art Thou. But right now, I'm just kind of like working on the analytics of the podcast and the blog, and you know, just still kind of building. A reputation for Mother Where Art Thou, and it doesn't happen overnight. So please um, be patient with us here over at Mother Where Art Thou, and uh, you know, keep an eye out for more blog posts, more uh, podcast episodes, and I will try and do my very best to make sure that I keep episodes coming in. Um, so yeah. Also, please, 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 if you guys have any topics that you really, really want to talk about, I would love to hear them. Um, you can email me at mother, well, not mother, it's abbreviated, so it's mwatpodcast at gmail.com, mwatpodcast at gmail.com, and you can please, you can send me anything. If you just want to talk if you just want to vent and maybe you have a story that you want to share with us please send me an email about that um yeah 
I mean, this is your community. This is um, also a resource for you as much as as it is an outlet for me. And um, I appreciate all of your support. And thank you for um, listening. Thank you for reading the blog posts. And I hope, and I really, really hope that you'll send me emails. I'm looking forward to reading emails um, on topics that you want to hear about. So, yeah. Anyways, this is Jessica with Mother Where Art Thou, and thank you for listening.